You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 here on a Tuesday. Welcome to the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. NHL begins tonight. Triple header. Begins proceeding at 3.30 in Tampa Bay with the Predators and Lightning. Then followed by Connor Bedard's debut up against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then the late one, 8.30 start here in Calgary. The Vegas Golden Knights will raise their banner, hosting the Seattle Kraken as they celebrate their first Stanley Cup championship in team history. And we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're joined by Ben Goats, Golden Knights rider from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Ben, thank you so much for joining me this morning. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Matt, what's the vibe in town? I mean, like Vegas, I mean, it's a city that really never sleeps. There's always something happening, but the, the, the boys were honored last night at, on Monday Night Football at Allegiant Stadium in front of the Raiders and Packers. The fans saw that, but what's the vibe around town as the Golden Knights get ready to raise a banner tonight? Yeah, I think it's now still everyone's kind of still coming off that high of that Stanley Cup championship, right? Because there's been so many reminders even since these guys have gotten through camp where they're all talking about their Stanley Cup days and how amazing it was. They all got their big Stanley Cup rings that were just ridiculous uh, <laughs> Sunday night. They obviously do Monday night football and they get their own suite uh, last night. And now it's the, the banner raising ceremony. So it's been just a huge week of, of revelry for the team as they kind of bask in the glow of what they accomplished uh, last season. So it's been a loose group, a group that's been having a lot of fun in training camp so far. They're really excited to be back together uh, and try to chase another one here. And now it's going to be interesting because they're going to have to turn the page at some point tonight to take on the Seattle Kraken and start to play hockey again. And I mean, they certainly expect that they can do it. They don't think they're going to have a lot of problems doing it, but they still have to do it. And so it'll be interesting to see how fast that flip gets switched once the puck is actually in play tonight. Exactly. Before we get into the, uh, the, the the proceedings of the team, talk to me about that ring. How like I, I the, the way they they they're doing it in the super in the NFL when you win the Super Bowl, the the top part comes off and it shows it shows the rink inside of it. Like, who is the most blown away by those rings? I mean, all the players yeah. were basically. Um, every single player was like uh, Jack Eichel when I talked to him yesterday was like, "Look, I had high expectations based <laughs> on how we tend to do things." as a franchise, but even that, oh. you know, seemed to take uh, his breath away. Cause I think what you're talking about is what got them the most, right? Is that the top part comes off and can become a necklace. And then underneath that top part, you have the entire rink underneath with little X's for all nine goals. Oh. They scored uh, in game five of the Stanley cup final to clinch the cup, which is a really cool idea and a really uh, neat trick. And the rink is made out of this, Pearl that was cut by a laser, which is a ridiculous sentence to utter uh, when we're talking about hockey. So that, I think, was something that all the players gravitated towards. Like, okay, cool. This is something that's really special, really unique. It's the first time this jeweler, which has done two Super Bowl rings, uh, 11 NBA championship rings, has done something like this. This is their first NHL ring uh, they designed. So a lot of guys like that, in addition to all the numbers of diamonds and jewels and all that stuff that weren't on it. And the, the Golden Knights color scheme obviously just plays into that, making that ring uh, even 
nicer than it actually probably is. Uh, to the actual team, um, that Max Comtois, he was a PTO. Is there, is there going to be a contract with him uh, signed ahead? Of, is, uh, what's his status heading into tonight? Yeah, right now, not signed, not on the nice opening night roster. Uh, now, keep in mind with this team, they always have to do some uh, long-term injured reserve yep. machinations on the opening night roster to kind of maximize their flexibility. Uh, Max Comtois was at night's practice yesterday, and Bruce Cassidy at the time was still unsure of his status. So uh, as of right now, he's not on the team. Uh, he didn't exactly have you know, a training camp that blew you away that said, I'm forcing my way mm-hmm. onto this team. Um, I still think there's probably at least a little bit of an open uh, door there, and I think we'll have to see you know today or tomorrow once the Knights kind of settle down their roster and take off some of the pieces that are on there purely to make the math work, whether they find room for him uh, as well. But as of right now, it's certainly trending toward doesn't look like he's going to be with this team. Okay. Uh, now, uh, Zach Whitecloud, he went for surgery uh, late la- a couple weeks ago. What's his status? I know he's probably still a couple weeks out, but is there a chance he probably starts on uh, LTIR at least to begin? Yeah, so he's week to week. They expect it to be, you know, not missing, you know, half the season yeah. or anything, but out a decent chunk uh, of time. So obviously he's on injured reserve uh, to start the season. Same with Alec Martinez, yeah. who uh, also has an upper body injury that uh, did not require uh, surgery, but he's considered week to week as well. So the Knights down two guys right away uh, on a blue line that was considered, you know, one of the best in the NHL last year and certainly one of their key strengths. Uh, last year so uh, certainly going to be tested early this season kind of adversity striking yeah. right away after they kind of led a charmed life uh, throughout <laughs> the Stanley Cup playoffs where they didn't basically have anyone get injured the last three rounds mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't feel you know you never like to enter the season with the injuries but I know uh, Bruce Cassie's gonna have have the guys ready to go uh, Aiden Hill Logan Thompson I know those two were, were obviously massive in the Golden Knights uh, winning a Stanley Cup last year obviously local to Calgary as well. Uh, is this a tandem that uh, they're going to be a tandem, or is this this Aiden Hill's crease to at least start, and then that's how Cassidy will will use these guys? He'll just ride the hot hand. I think he's going to ultimately ride the hot hand, but I think ultimately if the Knights kind of could lay this out in an ideal way, right, they would have these guys pretty close to even. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they want one guy for sure making 60 starts. They probably don't even want one. Uh, making 50 starts if things were to play out the way they want. I think they want this to be close to an equal timeshare as possible, um, just because neither of these guys has obviously proven to be a workhorse mm-hmm. yet in the NHL, right? I mean, Aiden Hill was spectacular uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was a huge part of why the Knights ended up winning a championship. But, I mean, he still played a career-high uh, 25 uh, starts last season, which is obviously not a lot for a number one goalie. So I don't think they're going to want to amp up his workload too much. Um, same with Logan Thompson, 36 starts as a rookie, but he spent most of the second half of the year hurt and dealing with lower body injuries and unable to come back. And he's kind of had to use camp to, you know, not only get his body right, but obviously kind of mentally reset as well and trust his body again and trust that, you know, he can make these saves and move around his crease, uh, you know, without pain or without anything going wrong so i don't think they want to kind of put the pedal to the metal down Mm -hmm. with either of these guys even if they are going well i think they want to play the long game uh with both of them and they're hoping that means that they can make this a pretty even 
workload. Uh, the one thing, like I kind of mentioned there, that might disrupt that is, is injuries. But as they're heading into the season, I think their hope is that they can keep it pretty balanced for these two guys. Now, I think this is like a kind of a trend that maybe we've seen the last couple of years, and, and Vegas obviously had a lot of success with it last year. You see Los Angeles doing it this year with 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 not spending a lot of dough in the in the crease. Is this going to be you think uh, the trend that you're going to see the majority of NHL teams going to, or is it still like you got to have the right coach and right system to have these tandems work? Like I look at Boston and then Vegas as an example as well, but it feels like you need to be in the right system and have the right coach to have this goalie tandem system work. That's what I kind of lean to because as we alluded to earlier, I mean, I think the Knights 1 through 6 on the blue line were probably, you know, the best yeah. defense core in the league last year, you know, maybe you could say like, well, I would rather have a Macar and a Taze on sure. the top end in Colorado, but, but depth wise, I think the Knights were, you know, probably the best in the league. I mean, that's hard to come by. And obviously Bruce Cassidy is an incredible defensive coach. He's had success kind of anywhere he's gone. So it was kind of this perfect storm of creating this, you know, ideal environment for a goaltender. And I think that was a lot of the reason the Knights were able to have the success they did last year. And even then, you have to find the right goalie, right? Like, uh, even though Aiden Hill was only acquired for a fourth-round pick mm-hmm. from the, the Sharks last August, the Knights had identified him as a guy where when they kind of did some studies and broke down, you know, the different saves goalies are asked to make, they're like, Aiden Hill succeeds at the save that we ask goalies to make yeah. in this system. He's a fit. So they had to find the right guy, and the right guy had to be available, right? Same as they had to be willing to let him go. And I think all those factors kind of coming together was almost the perfect storm for the Knights, right? Where you get this mm-hmm. veteran blue line, you bring in this really good defensive coach that just happened to be let go by the Boston Bruins. And then there's a goalie that just kind of becomes available that fits the style that you want to play. And I don't think, you know, a lot of teams are probably going to hit on all aspects of that lottery. If they try to play this game, I mean, we'll see what happens in Los Angeles. I'm curious to see whether, the Kings are going to be able to kind of replicate the yeah. nice success with it. But as of right now, my, my gut is certainly trending towards the Knights just had a lot of elements working for them. And that's why they were able to pull it off. He wasn't on the training camp roster to open and he's going to be on LTIR obviously to begin, but is, is there any sort of update on Robin Lehner's situation? Uh, the big update is he's still out long-term. He's out indefinitely. The Knights certainly aren't counting on him mm-hmm. um, anytime soon, just in terms of, yeah, last summer, the one shoulder and then two different hip surgeries and him trying to work his way back from that. Um, yeah, as of right now, I mean, even like in off-season workouts, I don't believe he was skating with the team or mm-hmm. anything like that. So nothing appears to be close uh, with him as far as attempting to rejoin the team. Um, last year deadline, you acquire, uh, Golden Knights acquire Ivan Barbashev, and obviously he he fit the team like a glove, clicked well in the playoffs, and he earned him an extension. Now, somebody needed to leave to make that happen, and that was Riley Smith. Now, that guy has been probably one of the more, like, probably one of the most important Golden Knights since the team began existence, really. Uh, how, who are some of the guys that are going to be left in to fill the void that Riley Smith is going to leave? Yeah, I mean, Riley Smith is going to go down as one of the most important people in Knights history, right? He's the mm-hmm. second guy to get the Stanley Cup yeah. after Mark Stone, the captain. Um, so they're going to kind of have to piecemeal it together, right? I think five on five, they're going to look for some of their young guys to step up. I think um, tonight against the Kraken, they're going to start by putting 
Paul Cotter on okay. William Carlson's left wing, who was a young guy, showed a lot of flash uh, as a rookie last year, uh, 13 goals. But once they acquired Barbashev and kind of solidified their playoff lineup, got left behind a little mm-hmm. bit. They're going to ask him to take the next step. They've got another young guy named Pavel Dorofeyev who flashed a little bit, uh, scored seven goals in 18 games last year. He's going to be in the mix competing for a spot as well. And then they're going to try to figure it out because I think special teams is where it's going to be different the most, where Riley Smith was just one of the best penalty killers Mm. uh, in the league. He was so dangerous shorthanded. He and William Carlson seemed to have this sixth sense of how to find each other and exploit space once they were able to get on the break, and they scored so many goals that way. They're going to ask a bunch of different guys to up their penalty kill minutes a little bit. Uh, A guy like Brett Howden, who's now on the second line with Chandler Stevenson and Stone, they're going to see if Jack Eichel can play a little bit more on the penalty kill. Bruce Cassidy doesn't want to overtax him, you know, minutes-wise overall, but that's something they're going to look at. And then there's going to be fourth-line guys like Keegan Colasar and William Carrier uh, that are going to get looks there as well. And they're going to have to figure out kind of how they're going to work that second power play unit uh, now because it seems a lot less dangerous with Riley Smith there. And mm-hmm. they'll have to figure out if they can get – any different weapons on there that can help that second unit be successful because they've really loaded up that top unit with Stone, Marcia So, Eichel, uh, Chandler Stevenson, and then either Shea Theodore or Alex Petrangelo. We're talking with Ben Goetz, uh, Golden Knights writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Now, now uh, obviously, Vegas is a team that's uh, really been a, a cap-strung team uh, since they've gotten to the league, but uh, you know that comes as, uh, with their success. How does uh, Kelly McCrimmon going to navigate the UFA statuses of some pretty big names, uh, Jonathan Marchessault, Chandler Stevenson, and Will Carrier, as uh, they all are entering their final years of their deal? That's a big question, right? It's going to be a pretty interesting storyline to follow this year as to how many of these deals get done and when do they get done. Now, Kelly McCrimmon did say at the opening of training camp, he was confident the Knights would be able to retain their core because, of course, the cap's going up uh, next year. And the Knights have been able to retain the guys that they want, right? Obviously, they've kind of had a reputation for discarding guys once they feel like they've you know, are ready to move on, but they've been able to find compromises with all the different pieces of the core that they've wanted to keep, whether that be getting a William Carlson extension done. They did extend Riley Smith uh, a year before they traded him. Mm -hmm. Um, They were able to work something out uh, with Braden McNabb uh, when he was heading toward UFA status uh, the year that they missed the playoffs two years ago. So they've been able to keep pieces of their core so far. I think this is going to get really fascinating because you've got two guys, especially at the top and Jonathan Marchessault and Chandler Stevenson that could probably push for big raises yeah. if they want to Marchessault coming off the con smite. I mean, Chandler Stevenson has now been basically a 60 point center three years in a row. And those obviously don't grow Mm-mm. on trees. Um, so I think the Knights believe they're going to be able to do it, keep the guys they want to keep. And I think it starts with those two. But the longer it goes on, I think the more you wonder about how many big offers those guys are going to be tempted by in the market. Though I do sit, say with saying that, I think both guys have obviously established homes here. They've established their value here. And I wouldn't be surprised if they'd be willing to budge a little bit with the Knights in order to make sure they extend their stay. Yeah, it's a good it's a good organization. I mean, like hometown discount in Vegas ain't no no nothing to scoff at about that. 
Uh, Jack Eichel. I think this is a guy that I think we, we, we saw last year as as a guy that found in that extra level. I know he was he's obviously behind McDavid and everything like that, but and he had dealt with the injuries. But this is a guy that is obviously he's a superstar in this league, and now he fit Vegas like a glove, uh, and now he's a part of this leadership group. Do you think he can even take another step uh, to get to another echelon of, of Jack Eichel's status of hockey? Yeah, absolutely, because we saw it, right? In the yeah. playoffs, he was so incredible the entire time, not just obviously – offensively finishing as a playoff, the leading scorer got 26 points in 22 games, but he was incredible defensively as well, right? He was all over the ice at five on five. Mm -hmm. I mean, really Bruce Cassidy had been stressing to him all season, you know, all those incredible gifts you have in terms of that smooth skating stride, that long reach, your kind of physicality that you use to create space for yourself on offense. I need you to use those on the other end of the rink as well and that message really sunk in throughout the year and i think it made eichel a really complete player by the time the playoffs roll around and so if he's able to bring that guy into the regular season mm-hmm. i think obviously you're talking about a guy who's going back to the all-star game a guy who's you know above a point per game guy and is maybe approaching you know somewhere in the 90s uh to 100 point threshold the knights probably don't need him to score that many points mm-hmm them to have success obviously last year he was their leading scorer with only 66 but you do feel that now that he's had a year under Bruce Cassidy understands you know how to play in it a little bit better and he's got an established line heading into this year which he did not last year now he has knows he has Jonathan Marchessault and Ivan Barbashev on either of his wings it really does feel like the sky could be the limit for him this year now, if you could pinpoint maybe a, a weakness on this group, and uh, maybe that there's something that might need to be addressed later on in the season, but if there's a there's a soft spot in this Golden Knights team, where do you think it is right now? Uh, so the boring answer, but I think the correct one is just health, right? We yeah. talked about the goalies both missing significant time last year, and obviously last year they kind of were fortunate in that when those goalies got hurt, they had a Laurent Brassois waiting mm-hmm. in the wings who was able to step in and play really well. Then they were able to add a Jonathan Quick at the deadline, who didn't play great, but played good enough for this level of team to keep getting wins. They were able to overcome, you know, Mark Stone being out for basically half the year. But you do wonder if that all those things happen again, are they going to be able to keep up that pace again? I think that's going to be really tricky for this team. Um, Because we saw that with Colorado last year, right? And Mm -hmm. Colorado really stumbled out of the gate after that long extended playoff run where you know they have that really short summer and guys come back and a bunch of guys get hurt in Colorado really stumbled out of the gate. And obviously the Knights are now, despite having a really healthy postseason run, they're now not very healthy coming out of the gate. And if you could see some of these pile up, they could definitely fall behind in this division race with, you know, teams like Edmonton and teams like LA and maybe they don't enjoy home ice advantage the entire postseason like they did last year. And so those little things I could see, you know, adding up for this group, because they have dealt with a lot of injuries the past couple of years, they were able to overcome them last year, but we'll see if with the short summer, they pile up even a little bit more than usual this year. And they're are less equipped to deal with them in certain areas this season, especially in net. What's your read on the Pacific Division? I think, like, uh, we've talked about it here in this uh, on our show. Is uh, we think it's probably the best division in hockey. I mean, we've seen the Atlantic kind of drop off with uh, with what Tampa's gone through. Florida's injured. 
Uh, Boston's down their top two centers. And then out in the Pacific, I mean, you got the defending cup champ. You got the two best players on the planet. You got Los Angeles. Calgary, you're thinking, is going to be better. Seattle made the playoffs. And I don't think Vancouver's going to be that awful as well. I mean, say for Anaheim and San Jose, this is a pretty dang good division. I was going to say, outside of those two bottom teams yeah. in California, <laughs> it really does feel like the other the other six could make the playoffs, right? There's a world where, you know, Vancouver carries over how strong it looked under Rick Tockett last mm-hmm. season. And Calgary obviously dealt with a lot of stuff last year, and maybe they just get better vibes and yep. they have a better season. Yep. And Seattle was really, really surprising last year, and I kind of don't think that they're going to be able to do it again, but maybe they proved me wrong again because I certainly didn't expect a 100-point season coming from them last year, let alone the throning the avalanche in the first round. Um, and then I think L.A., Edmonton, and the Knights obviously all belong in kind of the contender group mm-hmm. where you could see any of these teams making a pretty decent run of it. I mean, I'm really fascinated by the Oilers this year because of how they talked after losing to the Knights yep. and some of the comments that have seemed to come out of their camp. I mean, this really feels like they think this has got to be the year that we got knocked down by the, the champs in the Knights we got knocked down by the champs the year before in the avalanche. Now it's our turn, and now we have to figure out what it takes, and we're going to do whatever we have to do to be the one standing this time. And I'm curious how that kind of manifests itself throughout the year, if their style of play is any different, mm-hmm. um, how that shows up on the ice. But it really does feel like there's just a different level level of focus and motivation with the Oilers, and I'm really fascinated to watch that team season this year. Yeah, me as well. November 28th, Golden Knights Oilers. That's their first meeting up in Edmonton. Uh, last one for you, Ben. Uh, T-Mobile pro- not going to be available for the draft, it sounds like. So the NHL wants the Sphere. Chances of that happening. First, have you been to the Sphere? Will you, Do you want to go to the Sphere? And have you actually seen it yet? Uh, so I've seen the Sphere from the outside. Okay. I have not been inside it yet. Um uh, the tickets to go see you two play there currently are out of my price range, unfortunately. Uh, I looked out of curiosity the other night to see if I could get my wife and I uh, tickets. Because I do like you too. Uh, no, it's not happening anytime soon. Uh, it does look insane. It does look incredible. I really do want to go inside at some point. Uh, I think it could be a really, really cool venue uh, for obviously anything, uh, the draft included. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think they're still trying to work a bunch of stuff out. They're mm-hmm. trying to see if there's any chance that they could free up T-Mobile uh, for those dates to get the other kind of concert that has first dibs to move or budge or anything like that. Um, but we'll see. I think the Sphere could obviously be another really cool venue, and I really do hope I get to check it out at some point here soon. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, it's super seeing the pictures and videos of it from afar. Uh, ben, thank you so much for, uh, for this uh, Golden Knights chat. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll check in when, the, when Vegas rolls through Calgary. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me.